everybody. You have found the Notion Club. Today, uh, and as always, joining me is Mariah. Say hello to everybody, Mariah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Um, you didn't introduce yourself, Ethan. <laughs> I didn't introduce myself? Oh, well, I'm Ethan. No, you in didn't. In case that wasn't obvious. Um... Yeah, today I just have to and bring that up. Forever and always <laughs> it will be Ethan and Mariah doing this podcast. So if that yeah. isn't obvious, it should be now. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um my Thanksgiving was pretty pretty good, I think. Yeah. How was yours? Well, that's good. It was pretty good, I think. I got wine drunk. <laughs> um um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best kind. That's my favorite kind of drunk. <sighs> I don't know. I struggle with it. Like, tequila <clears throat> drunk is fun because I get to dance and then, like, forget the entire evening <laughs> the next day. But wine drunk, you remember things and it hurts. Like, I'm 25, guys. Like, <laughs> wine drunk hurts now. <laughs> um, it hurts. Was it a, uh, a red wine, a white wine? Well, I started off with two beers i think that's probably what happened um i started oh. off with two beers and then i think I mean, I that picked mixing up on game a, yeah yeah but i also don't think like i ate enough at thanksgiving because um my husband and i we went to his co-workers family's house um so it was like awkward for me at first because like I'm very sweaty around new people. <laughs> so Yes, yes, we, um, I think we've discussed this before. Yes, we have. I'm just, you know, bringing it all full circle here, guys, full circle. Um, so we were going to a new house. I, first of all, have never made key lime pie, and then just the night before decided to make key lime pie because I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> Um, for a dessert. So I made pumpkin pie. Um, I know that tastes good because I've made pumpkin pie numerous times in the past. Um, mm -hmm. but key lime pie, I like tried and I had already gone to Walmart for my supplies and then got home and realized, oh, I need evap uh, sweetened condensed milk, not evaporated milk, which is what my cabinet was stocked full of. And so I was like, well, shoot. So I ended up making sweetened condensed milk, which took like an hour. And then I was too impatient to wait for it to cool down fully. <laughs> like I like blasted it in the freezer and then just was like, well, I hope this doesn't curdle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't have key limes, so I used regular lime juice. Um, I don't know the difference. Even after I Googled it, I was like, well, key limes come from... I was about to ask from... you what the difference is. So from oh. what I understand, key limes come from, like, Florida. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Well, I okay, so, so the keys, keys is referring to literally the keys in Florida. I believe like so, the... yeah. Yeah, it's like that. from a particular area in Florida. I guess the difference is uh, like key limes, they have like a more aromatic like sense. Um, and they're like okay. sweeter okay. than like regular limes. But I don't know, dude. So I use regular <laughs> lime juice. I made my own sweetened yeah. condensed milk. Um, yeah, so... And then I don't have a blender and my, my arms are too weak to whisk for a long time. So I put it into my Vitamix. 
and then realized, wow, this is super soupy. So I added some cool whip to it. And um, yeah, so lo and behold, I was sweaty, sweaty about my desserts that I was making. I was like, I don't know these people. Like, they're probably going to hate this dessert. I, ha- I hope it tastes good. <laughs> Um, I also made this brie um, cranberry bread wrap that I brought along, and I think... Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, so at first, like, the family was extremely nice. Like, they were very welcoming. Um, it, it was overall, like, very well. Um, but I, like, shut down. I couldn't tell them, like, what I wanted done with the desserts or the brie dish that I brought. So I just let them take it away and, like, didn't say anything about it um, because I was just like, please like me. Um, So the key lime pie kind of melted a little bit because I had had it up in the freezer up until the point that we brought it to the house. And then the brie got cold inside the bread. (laughs) So so it was kind of like hardened as you're pulling the brie out. So I was just like, well, you know what? There's beer and there's wine. I'm just going to drink. And so like I was so nervous and sweaty. I couldn't fully eat. And then like the mashed potatoes, which is like my favorite dish out of all Thanksgiving things, like had lemons in them. And I don't know if you've ever had like oh. sour mashed potatoes, but it was weird. And I, I couldn't that sounds get over awful. it. It was kind of awful. <laughs> um, that, yeah, no, I agree. Mashed potatoes is the, the best dish in a traditional thanksgiving meal yeah um it's the most disappointing thing to me when i take the first bite of like half the mashed potatoes that ever get made and it's just overwhelming with taste of sour cream yeah i don't like sour (laughs) cream why would you do that like potatoes (laughs) are good just put just put butter in there. That's all and that you need. And salt and pepper. Ooh. Yes. Yes. But sour cream? Yeah. Oh, no. it's so bad. Anyway, yeah. They lemons, probably, though. yeah, they probably had sour cream in there too, but like lemons. I don't know if that's like a, a Southern thing, um, but. Oh. But it was, oh. it was different. It was different. But everyone was so nice. <laughs> I didn't need to be as nervous that's as good. I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But that that was my interesting, I guess, take on. Oh, I didn't have to hear about politics on Thanksgiving, so that was that was. Hey, a win. that's a hey. plus. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, tell me about yours. <laughs> um, not nearly as exciting. No. Um, I basically just sat around all day while literally everybody else in the family was cooking, like. <laughs> Even the boys, the my brothers were involved in the cooking too. And I like at one point felt like walking into the kitchen and telling everybody, Why don't y'all just calm down for a moment and let's all just sit down and like have, you know, some time together? But then yes. I walked in the kitchen every time and everybody was having so much fun with their cooking that I kinda of felt <laughs> left out. <laughs> Why like, didn't you just go in and my, cook something? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything to make. Like so oh. my little brother brought like um I guess his boss gave him like half of a hog. And so he brought a bunch of like pork bones in and was making a soup. Wow. My older brother had just shot a deer, so he brought venison that he was smoking. My dad was making the turkey, my grandma was making the mashed potatoes, my sisters were making pies. 
<laughs> everybody's just having so much fun and is really into what they're making. And I was like, oh, man, I should have brought something to make. <laughs> oh, I want to. So I just, uh, I just drank. Just roll up a cigarette. <laughs> uh, watched football and then, like, during commercials was reading um, or rereading Sam Harris's essay on free will. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> And uh, dinner, as uh, is very predictable, uh, predictable with my family, was like two hours late or two hours later than most people eat. So we ate at like 8 p.m. What? And so I, I was starving by then. <laughs> <laughs> and um, tried to stay as committed as I could to not eating anything before Thanksgiving dinner so that I could eat as much dinner as possible. But mm-hmm. I think what that ended up doing was like, making my or shrinking my stomach so much that I couldn't even finish the first plate of food oh, that no. I got for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all very, very good and it was I think worth the wait. Aw. So, and you were surrounded anyway. by family. Yes, yes. No, I mean like <laughs> make no mistake, it was it was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> you should have just gone in the kitchen, started rolling up cigarettes, and been like, this is my contribution, guys. <laughs> You're like, I'm Grandma, you something. want a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been uh, funny. <laughs> something. I should have I should have made something, but I didn't. You make really good oh. um, Hobbit potatoes. Yes, yes. I, sh- I should have done something like that, but... For whatever reason, I didn't. Oh, no, I take it back. I made ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> my my dad, for whatever reason, doesn't have an ice cube tray. Oh, And okay. so I'm, like, scouring the kitchen looking for something to make ice cubes in. And um, wound up finding a... Um, I don't even know what it's called. You sound like the black like, sheep of the family. <laughs> That's me. That's a pretty good description. <laughs> anyway, I found a um, a thing that you like make popsicles in. Okay. Like if you fill fill these things with juice and put them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And so I find this, and everyone's like, "I don't think that's gonna work. You're not gonna be able to get the ice cubes out." And I was like, "Oh, I will. Just wait." And so I surprised everybody. I I filled them up with water, put them in the freezer. They froze, and then to get them out, I just put it. Uh, in hot water and then of course that like heated up the plastic and then the ice cubes came right out and they were shaped like popsicles <laughs> and i bet you were so smug too <laughs> I put you were like yeah get this guys it worked <laughs> you're like would you like an ice cube oh no because you doubted me you do not re- receive one <laughs> It was it wasn't too far from that. That was pretty much the scene. So anyway, yeah, that was That's my funny. Thanksgiving. <laughs> that sounds pretty great. Um, I want to uh, zero in on something that you briefly mentioned a few minutes ago about talking about politics around the dinner table. Um, how do you tend to react if you suddenly find yourself in a political discussion? Um, I tend to uh, run away as fast as I can. (laughs) Um, And if that doesn't work, I try to listen as much as possible. Um, Mm. 
And when you say when you say your first instinct is to just run away, do you do you have any idea why that may be? Oh yeah, because I I don't like the political talk. Um, I think it's divisive, and I think it's a distraction um, for mm. people in general. But sometimes I will stick around for the conversation to hone in. I guess it, it really depends on the audience that you're around. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, because yep. I feel like with certain family members or certain friends, <clears throat> you know, just immediately coming out the gates is going to be a heated discussion. And you have yes. to really. Yes. I think you have to weigh okay, how is this going to affect our relationship? And how is this yeah. going to affect uh, me? Like, am, how am I doing emotionally right now? Um, am I able to handle this conversation? Or am I going to come out the gates kicking and screaming? If I am right, going to come out right. the gates kicking and screaming, maybe I should just walk away because I would, I value relationships over my political opinions. Because at the end of the day... Yep. Those change, but family and friends, um, I think it's important to try and stick around with. Right, um, right. I would say, in addition to gauging your own um, mental or emotional state, if you can handle it, mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe it's a little bit judgmental, but I think, for me anyway, I, I also have to gauge the other person. Like, yeah. this person, if I know them well enough, sometimes you can know they're so dug in in their ideology that there's absolutely nothing that I could say that yeah. would sway them anyway. And so yeah. if I'm, I, I mean, certainly you can always listen to what the other person says, but if you want to actually have a productive discussion and share yeah. ideas, there are certainly some people that just at that time in their life, they are not open to it. And so um, I, I think there does need to be a little bit of discernment in that as well. Um, I was watching this uh, TEDx talk um, and the speaker was Rob Weiler or Willer. I don't, I don't know, but how to fix our broken political conversations. And, um, and basically he pointed out a couple things. Um, he pointed out that if we want to make real change, the best thing to do is, um, uh, to remember that everyone is human, that we, you know, I think all generally want the best for America or our country. Um, and he said he went into a story. Oh, well, first I have to come back to, I have to say this. Um, he said that today's political scene was a, uh, he, he saw it like a movie, like a zombie apocalypse. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there was just this disease spreading. You guys will have to look it up or we'll, we'll include a link to it in our show notes, but it's excellent. Anyways, um, through all of his storytelling, he comes around and points out that there was a study done that liberals tend to endorse or care more about certain values and conservatives care about certain values or tend to endorse values. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. said that liberals tend to point out equality and fairness and care and protection, whereas conservatives tend to point out loyalty and patriotism, respect for authority, mm. purity, and sanctity. So he said that they did a series of tests where they gave... Um, a mixed group several different essays so the first group which was mixed both liberal and conservative were given a essay about um 
about the environment. It was a pro-environment, like why we need to save our uh, planet and that kind of thing. And um, they did the first speech um, where they pointed out, let me, let me actually get my notes on this. The first sure. essay that was pro-environmental, um, which leaned more to the left or the liberal stance was the key words that they used in the essay was harm and destruction. So they found that li uh, the, the liberals, uh, those were their like words that they, they picked up on. And they generally, he said, leaned towards uh, pro-environmental issues anyways. Um, sure. And then the second group got a second essay. And this was more uh, conservative leaning. And they said that they added words like pure, beautiful, and disgusting into how, you know, like we should uh, care about the purity of our environment and, the, and maintaining the beautiful country of the United States of America, essentially stuff like that. And um, towards the end, I think they also did a third essay where it was just a mixed group and there wasn't any political leanings just to get a good gauge. And what they found was that um, people who on the conservative side did not start out pro-environmental, they leaned towards pro-environmental towards the end because of those key words. And so he pointed out that if we do truly want to um, engage the opposite side or people that don't always agree with us in a, um, an unemotional conversation, he said, use key words, like use the values that that particular party, um, respects and desires because it's like mm -hmm. if you can point out those key things and come to a common ground you might be able to get a good conversation going rather than um saying like oh you just need to believe in you know pro-life or you know um uh, pro-choice and stuff like instead of shouting he said that one of the huge things that they found was uh conservative and conservatives and liberals when they were talking with one another they tend to talk past each other so they would just shout of what course. they believed past the other one and then the other person who did not believe what they believed were like shouting back past their heads and neither one yeah. of them learned so he was like if you do want to turn the conversation around gauge your audience essentially and then he said also i believe empathy and respect was one of the other things that we need to uh, like remember um, empathy respect and connection and he was like those are ways that we can change the conversation um and yeah. then yeah i don't know just to me it's like i feel like <laughs> the political scene we're just shouting at each other constantly berating one another and it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Why do we continue to shout at one another and expect that the other one's just going to understand and take your side? Like sometimes it, if you want real change, you do have to be empathetic, respectful, listen, engage in the way that the audience understands and then go forward. And, you know, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed his talk yeah. anyways. There's a... Um a tactic, if you will, that I think is very, very underused. But um, I've, I've seen it in a couple good debates. Um, mm -hmm. Not that, weirdly enough, they're, they're, they're uh, philosophy debates that I, that I was watching. But the, the moderator of the debate asked the debaters um, to, to try something. And I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, he called it steel manning. Um, okay. which is, I guess, 
call it the opposite of straw manning. Straw manning is kind of where you, if you're trying to um, describe your opponent's position, when you straw man, you take like something absolutely ridiculous that's kind of true about what they're trying to say, and you blow that up to make it look like that's their main point. Okay. Um, steel manning is just the opposite, where you have to get really intellectually honest um, and explore the opposition's uh, position and articulate the best you can about why they might feel the way they do. And you, it, it even involves presenting their evidence that, that they might have for what they're suggesting. Um, but, but basically, you pretend that you are on the other side and mm. make the best argument that you can. Yeah. And that right away establishes for, for both sides, you know exactly what I'm trying to say. And I know that you know uh, what you're trying to say. Um, and so I, I think establishing that intellectual honesty at the outset, mm-hmm. and it, it, it definitely cuts down on the shouting past each other. Yeah. If you can yeah. establish, I understand what you're saying. Here's why what you're saying is not correct. Yeah. But that takes a listening <clears throat> ear and someone that is not emotionally driven in the yeah, conversation. Yeah, it is so, so rare to see anybody with that ability. Why do you think that is? I think it's because when we uh, argue with one another, we're looking... Well, essentially, I think when we talk about what we think and feel, one, we're looking for validation from the other person. And when we do not immediately receive that validation, um, like, look at Instagram. Like, people are very outraged <laughs> that the the likes are going away on posts. Um, you won't be able to see how many likes you get if you're a large um, influencer. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so they're starting to test oh, it. Oh, interesting. Which I think huh. is interesting. They're, they're starting to test it, and essentially the larger influencers... Um, they're trying to hide the likes. So you as an influencer can see the likes, but the people that follow you cannot. And the reason that is, is they're trying to make it less competitive. Um, But anyways, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, I think we're looking for one validation and we're so used to it within the social media platform now. Like we adapt extremely quickly. Um, So we found validation on the social media and obviously, when people do not find validation, they tend to argue, I think, on social medias. Um, <laughs> so one, they're looking for validation. And two, um, I think, well, let me circle back to validation. By what, that, by what I'm saying is they're looking for validation because they want the other person to see how smart they are and how much they care and how much... Um, how much they make sense. So when the other person immediately goes no or shuts them down or starts shouting back, they go on the defensive. Um, and I think that's sure. I, I think that's a part of the problem. Um, I think there could be yeah. other reasons out there, but I, I think that's the best explanation I have. <laughs> Validation. <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I have a theory, mm-hmm. um, at least one reason anyway. Um, okay. I am more and more becoming averse to holding an ideology. Um, I think that it's a very, very slippery slope into buying dogma. 
Mm. Um, to me, the, the two are kind of almost inseparable. If you adopt an ideology, it's one step shy of saying, I'm on this team, no matter what you say, I'm going to dig my heels in and, and stand firm. Yeah. Whereas if if you are open-minded enough and you say, well, this... this uh, you know, particular position right now holds the most evidence for me. However, I'm not going to dig my heels in. Show me what you got. Yeah. Um, it's almost like politics is a whole nother form of like religion. Oh yeah, I definitely um, agree. It's it's just like I don't know. Am I am I even making sense here? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm following. <laughs> It's it it yeah it's it's almost like um, being a fan of a sports team. No matter how bad the team is, if you're a true fan, you're gonna stick with them. Yeah. In most cases, um, until you're sick of losing and then you jump ship. <laughs> um, um. But but I, I mean, that's that's kind of how I'm seeing ideologies these days. Mm-hmm. Like this is the one that I closely align with, and so I'm I'm standing firm. I'm not going to hear what you have to say because this is the right thing. Hmm. Uh, I think it was Joe Rogan who said um, on that podcast that you had sent me, um, he mentioned that uh, politics is a new sports for people who do not enjoy football. And I think that was... Oh, absolutely. I think that was... Yeah. So tying it back into what you were saying, like, yeah, this is becoming a religion or something people are willing to die for. <laughs> Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, I mean, as apolitical as I am, mm-hmm. um, I do think it's like really fun. This is this is what I do every day. Admittedly, guys, um, I I like to in the morning open Google News mm-hmm. and just read headlines. To me, it's like following real life drama. Oh no. Um, I don't. <laughs> I I rare. I rarely actually click on an article. Yeah. I just like to see the headlines, like, this is happening now, This like, and Trump says this, Trump responds with that. People say this, Trump responds with this. It, it's like, it's, it's actually, I mean, it really is fun. Yeah. Almost like you were saying, in the sports sense, it's fun. Yeah. Personally. To just be a, a casual, a casual observer. Yeah. Personally, I tend to steer clear of that because for me, what I see on the news is just the loudest people yeah no it's the angriest probably for the best that you avoid talking yeah Yeah, and it gives me anxiety like i don't know if anyone else feels this (laughs) way but i get anxiety from the conflict because i'm like from traveling the world and meeting people from different backgrounds um i've come to appreciate like uh different sides and i don't see that in the media in general Um, And I feel like most people don't feel as crazy or angered as the the news makes it out. Like, I feel like most everyday people are like, they're focused on their jobs. They're focused on, you know, um, their relationships. They're focused on other things that take precedence over over what's happening on on the news or in the world. Which, I mean... Not necessarily. I'm not advocating for, like, you know, never watch the news or anything. Like, I think it's important to be informed, but don't let it consume you. And for me, um, 
I have come from a background where, you know, uh, a lot of things, when something happens, you take it very seriously. <laughs> um, so yeah. I have to personally, like, make sure there's a margin between me and the news <laughs> so that I do yeah. not get emotionally yeah. involved. Personally, this is a personal thing, guys. Not for everyone. I'm not advocating for, <laughs> you know, living under a rock or turning off your phone all the time. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, at the end of the day, do politics really, really affect everyday life? That's, and that's a hard one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, like, maybe this is a bit um, uninformed of me, but I mean, like, for me personally, it doesn't. Hmm. Like you said, like I have a job, I don't, I, I mean, in my spare time, I'm making music or, you know, starting to podcast with you. Yeah. I mean, sure, like taxes go up and down, whatever, but like, it's not that much that I need to be spending half of my energy arguing with people about it, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just blown way out of proportion. That's why I do not allow politics to be a part of my identity or... Um, for my yeah. spirituality to get mixed up in it. Um, I don't, you know, claim what I vote for is a part of who I am. Um, I tend to not really choose a side. Um, <laughs> uh, I try to be reasonable and look at, you know, what's out there and then <clears throat> vote for who I think is going to represent my uh my thoughts on a lot of issues but if i allow it to become my identity i truly believe that um well it's gonna fuck with me um <laughs> it's a distraction for humanity um yeah yeah I'm not That's... saying don't pay attention to the political scene um but it, and to clarify i do my research if i do plan to vote um I, I want to kind of zero in on what you just said about it being a distraction. Mm -hmm. um, it's true. Like, when, when you start, because, I, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that I, I was pretty uh, politically involved. I, I, I used to be way more conservative than I am now, and, and I was definitely, you know, team right. Yeah. Um, it really does distract from the way you view people in your life. Yeah. Um, I, think... I I definitely used to like look at somebody, and then like there was definitely that filter. Oh well, that person's a liberal. <laughs> Take what they're saying with a grain no! of salt. And it's like it's so destructive and so distracting just because I was holding a certain ideology. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to allow yourself to be fully formed. Um, as an individual before you dip your toes in. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should make the voting age like 30. <laughs> but um, I've never been intrigued by politics. I've never allowed it to rule the day for me. But um, yeah, I definitely believe that like I'm well-rounded now as an individual i've had so many different experiences but yeah no like i i think uh politics should not be a part of anyone's identity and you should allow uh your view on politics to be shaped by who you already are not um by yeah. uh 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess there's, you guys would have to interpret quote, that for yourselves. <laughs> uh, I think this is actually from that TED talk that you were just mentioning a few minutes ago. Um, mm. Oh, was it the, from the, the other one, though, that brought, I sent you? Oh, you you're t- you, you watched two of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember the, 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 the gentleman's name that, that gave the one that you sent me, but he, he kind of uh, summed it up pretty well in a quote by... George W. Bush, of all people. And mm. I mean, like, I know, like, that's going to make some people's eyes roll, but I don't think that just because it came from Bush doesn't make it any less true. Amen. The quote is, too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. Yep. I, I think that is a perfect summation of politics. It's true. There's no, uh, no one is willing to be empathetic and vulnerable Um, and to give another person the opportunity to be just as smart, um, you're with yourself all day, you know, like you think you're the smartest person to walk this earth. Most of us, if we're being honest, um, and to Uh, just to be, sorry, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. (laughs) Just to be, I think it's important to at least give someone else credit. And allow them to talk and hear them out fully. Yeah. You know, just like yeah. what Bush was saying, like we pin the worst intentions on that person. That's our viewpoint on them. And then we personally think we have the best intentions happening. And that's just not the case. You know, right. sometimes right. they have just as good of intentions as you do. It's just they view the world a different way. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody could do well by taking a long, full drink of some humility. Yeah. Like, the, every issue is just about a 50-50 split in opinion, left and right. Yeah. Like, who do you think you are that you can declare half the people of the land to be stupid and totally incorrect? Like, I don't know, yeah. maybe take a step back and wonder why half the people out there disagree with you. They might actually be coming from a sincere place. That's an excellent point, Ethan. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, they might have a point if half of the you know population in the United States disagrees with your point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, in that TED Talk that you were talking about, um, that's the one by John Noonan. And the okay, title yes. for that, guys, is... Why politi- politics make us mean and stupid. And yes. I honestly laughed several <laughs> times during that podcast. Like the title alone is great. <laughs> but that podcast actually summed up how I generally view politics. Um, I generally view that it's a distraction from real, honest human connection. Um he brought up that story um, about the family from the Midwest where the daughter called the uh, family one day and was like, yes. I no longer feel comfortable driving to stay around St- your house staying, or staying, staying in your home, home yeah, because you guys support gun rights. Right. And he brought up an excellent point. He said if you wanted to change the viewpoint on gun rights in the United States... Well, you did nothing for it. Right. You you only hurt your relationship with people that care about you the most and you care about, well, you should care more about the relationship with that family or friends than than just 
making your opinion known. Like, right. yes, it, you can be very serious about what you believe in, but there's a better way to have a conversation. There's a better it, way to tell your family and inform your family on what you believe is right and incorrect. That did nothing for the guns laws. And right. I think that was an excellent point that he made. She, she's trying to change legislation about gun ownership, but yeah. not doing anything for that. Instead, just kind of uh, boycotting the family. <laughs> yeah and it, yeah like there there's absolutely nothing productive about doing that like that that's not helping anyone or anything it's making things worse yeah i think um within that podcast he made some excellent <clears throat> points you guys really will will pin a link to it it's it's an excellent uh 10 minute video but i will warn you you do have to be open-minded <laughs> Um, try to be as unemotional as you can be, but be open-minded, hear them out. If you disagree, you can fight about it on YouTube, not on our streams or anything, but (laughs) because I don't want to hear it. Um, but he pointed out to a couple things. Um, basically there's no benefit from ripping each other apart. So he came up with some ways to help fix the conversation. Um, and he brought up be knowledgeable. He was like, inform yourself find find sites that are not leaning left or right or hear both sides you know go on different sites read both sides be knowledgeable and check your facts and i was like yes finally someone said it what it means to be knowledgeable is not just having your own ammunition ready to go but knowing exactly what the other side is and where they um might successfully poke holes in your argument. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I thought it was a great point. He said also to be passionate. Um, and guys, hear the, listen to the video, go back and listen to the video so that you guys can understand his version of passionate, not just like, um, <laughs> I don't know, enraged. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, he and he that said, word up with like emotional, passion, yeah, passionate, yeah, 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 yeah. emotion. Yeah, be passionate about what you stand up for, but not passionate in the way that you go about it, um, where your passion overrules your sanity, um, yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, and then he pointed out to having more questions than answers, and I thought that was a really good point. Um, a lot of times at the yes. family table, everyone shouts an answer, and nobody is willing to ask the other person what they think about, you know, um, I don't know, labor laws you know no one is willing to go around the table and ask like different viewpoints and then why they have that viewpoint you know Um, right and i thought that was great instead of having an answer and assuming what you all assuming their thoughts and their heart behind the matter don't assume ask more questions and i thought that was really great yeah Um, he also said that the United States needs to chill the fuck out. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. 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 No, that was funny. He was, um, it was like a, a mock um, campaign poster. Uh, yes. Something about uh, like, uh, oh yeah, my refrigerator is running. Vote for my refrigerator because America needs to chill the fuck out. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. Yes. But no, um, I, I like what, what you pointed out there about asking questions. I, I think that's actually a really good way, uh, maybe even to 
challenge somebody who might hold a view instead of just like as soon as they say something arguing with them about it keep asking why to making points yes. why and then like maybe they've thought it all the way through and they can answer all the why questions but maybe not and maybe they can like suddenly realize the error in their argument just from you asking the question instead of yes. being abrasive and uh, you know, egregious about it. Just, just keep mm-hmm. asking questions. I, I think that is yeah. the basis for a really good discussion. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are going <clears> to <throat> shut you out the moment you start telling them they're wrong, without right. them right. explaining why they think they're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes a part of fact checking. You know, don't just fact check articles online. Fact check the people you're discussing this with, you know, fact check why, you know, where did you get that from? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, why have you come to this conclusion? I think that's really important. Um, The first TED talk that I was talking about, he brought up this point where um, uh, because left or liberals and conservatives, they have different values, but, you know, I, I think a lot of us Uh, value the same thing we all value our freedom we all value you know um i don't know respect for authority maybe not (laughs) maybe not i don't know (laughs) um but i think a lot of us have similar values but he brought up the point that a lot of people because a lot of people allow it to be a part of their identities it also is a part of their morals. So when you're yelling at someone, telling them they need to change their political view, you're essentially like telling them they need to change their entire morality. And you need to be careful yeah. about doing that because that's going to hurt them. You know, you're, you're only upsetting them, like telling your uncle, like, you need to think this, you know, he's not going to hear the logic behind your argument, he's going to say, whoa, he's attacking my heart. You know, he's attacking me as an individual. And I think we also need to be aware of that because, you know, for someone like me, if you attack what I say about a politician or something like that, it's not going to hurt me. Like it's going to blow right off because it's not a part of who I am, but a lot of people aren't like that. So you do have to be self like aware, you know, um, on arguing. I don't know. That's, that's personally what I think. Yeah. Um, take what you will <laughs> of yeah. that. Mariah, have, have you always been apolitical or uh, did you kind of lean one way or the other earlier in your life? Um, can I ask you to explain apolitical, like what it is? <laughs> yes, that's probably a worthwhile question here. Um, when I say apolitical, um, mm-hmm. let's see, Google says that it means not interested or involved in politics. Mm. So, yeah, I, I guess you could say there are, are different degrees of being apolitical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you and I both vote still, but but we don't yeah. actively engage in arguments. Um, we don't have any loyalty to a specific party. Um, I, I yeah. guess in, in that in that sense, have have you always been apolitical? Okay. To that degree, um, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I honestly think I have. Um, I think there were times that I. Um, honestly, I felt. Okay, so when Trump or not Trump, I'm sorry, President Obama actually won. 
Um, mm-hmm. I knew some people that just absolutely went out of their minds, and they just thought oh, he sure. was the Antichrist. And I <laughs> yeah, feel like, yeah. emotionally, I shut down. I was just like, mm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. don't care. Like, honestly, like, looking back now, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that Obama was president. I think each president happens for a reason. Um, you know, we, we get to taste the different um, flavors of people, if you will. Um, so I think it's a good thing. But I just remember when Obama became president, like, yeah. people were losing their goddamn minds. And I was like, nope, I don't want to yeah. be a part of this. Yeah. So yeah. I believe ever since then, and I'm 25, guys, so when Trump... I, I, or not Trump, I'm sorry, I keep saying President Trump. Um, <laughs> when President Obama was elected, I think it was like right as I was becoming eligible to vote, honestly. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, I don't remember what year he was in. Oh, 2008? 2008 was, the, yeah. I, oh, maybe I'm thinking uh, of a second election, because he was in office twice, correct? Right, right, so 2012 yeah. would have been his, his re-election. Yeah, so... 2008 the first time when people lost their goddamn minds (laughs) um i remember like not caring because one i couldn't influence the vote because i was too young at the time but 2012 i was definitely 18 around that time um and i was just like all right you know what happens you know he hasn't ruined the country so far so i don't know right right that well that that's kind of a perfect illustration of what i was saying earlier about like on a real practical level in our personal lives, how much what did that really do anything? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. like, in, in my case, I think the only, like, Obama effect, if you will, that I felt was um, I got penalized, I think, once or twice for not having health insurance. That's mm. the most that happened to me as a result of President Obama. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's just crazy that you are absolutely right. People were calling him the Antichrist, just losing yeah. their fucking marbles. Like, this they guy were. is going to bring the absolute end. Our ruin the is not. The apocalypse of like, the world. Nothing. Nothing <laughs> happened. Not really, no. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, no. Like, uh, yeah. And even with this current, like, President, President Trump, People are losing their goddamn minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they were calling for impeachment, and it's like everyone's making it like it is the biggest deal in the world, you know. And it's like, do we realize how many presidents, like, over the last, I don't know, hundreds of years, have been trying to be impeached? Like, we've tried it several times as the American people, and sometimes it's worked. <laughs> But it's like, does it, is it really important? I heard something interesting, actually. Um, uh, I believe it was the Liberal Party, Democratic Party, where they said that yeah. they have to have... It was from that Tulsi... Uh, what, what's her name? Tulsi... Tulsi Gabbard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She pointed out that um, the Democratic side... It, maybe I'm wildly misquoting this, but it's on a Joe Rogan podcast. Um, right. Gone off the top of my head, guys. Um... I remember her pointing out that the Democratic Party said that they need him to be impeached so that they don't have to go up against him for the second, um, for this next election. 
And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, you yeah, know, they... impeachment is, is sort of a weird thing, and I don't fully understand it. Impeachment does not mean that he will be booted from the office. Impeachment yeah. just means he's no longer allowed to be um, in the... The commander-in-chief? Or... Uh, no, let me do a quick uh, search here for a, a good explanation from the web because this is uh you know important and not everybody understands this okay uh impeachment is the process by which a legislative body levels charges against a government official impeachment does not in itself remove the official uh definitively from office Interesting. it is similar to an indictment in criminal law and thus, it is essentially the statement of charges against the official. Mm. Um, I remember uh, both Nixon and Clinton were both impeached. Oh. Um, but before they could actually be removed officially, they both resigned. Um, last shred of dignity, if you will. I wonder if that's like a respectful way, like, hey, we are going to impeach you. What do you want to do? And then give them the option to respectfully, like, resign before anything else happens. I wonder if that's... Well, that's like... kind of, I, I think, probably what that's what's going to make this uh, Trump thing so interesting is because this guy <laughs> is a little bit different from Richard Nixon in that he's not, he's not likely to resign. If he gets impeached, he's probably still just going to keep fighting. <laughs> <laughs> he just stays in the Oval and, Office. <laughs> and and that, that really is something that we have not seen before. And so um, it, it yeah. could get very, very interesting if, if he does ultimately wind up getting impeached. Yeah. But really, Trump being president has been just like every other president. I mean... Really, honestly. You know, Except I'm, Kennedy, because, you know, that was... Yeah, yeah. I mean, again... Oh, wow, just... that was dark humor. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Jesus. A little too soon. Save me. Yeah, too soon. Too soon, Mariah. Um, I, I heard a, um, a really, really profound quote. Um, I think it was... I was listening to a podcast, uh, Russell Brand's Under the Skin. He mm. had Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson on. Okay. And... Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, quoted Edgar Mitchell, who was the lunar module pilot for Apollo 14. Hmm. Um, and, and he was talking about looking at world issues, um, literally the biggest picture. Um, and, and he said he kind of had this thought while he was, you know, on the moon looking at our planet. He said, quote, you develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. From out there on the moon, international politics looks so petty. You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck, drag him a quarter of a million miles away out, and say, look at that, you son of a bitch. End quote. I, I love that. Yeah. The the part that I th I think ruins it cuz I mean obviously we we need to be able to have discussions about how to properly uh construct a government and how yeah. governments are supposed to behave. You we, we have to have these kind of discussions. Yeah. But politics I think 
get ruined because there are corporate interests involved and corruption. Yeah. So to me, like, or even more... picking a side too, because uh, right, what like, we again, don't ideologies. Have... It's yeah. It's it's, it's ruining it. The, to, to me, the more interesting um, discussions to have that I think lay pretty much the groundwork for politics, if you will, is mm-hmm. is philosophy. I think if if we can have good philosophical destruction uh, 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 discussions, that lays the groundwork for okay, this is right, this is wrong, this is moral, this is immoral. Now, yeah. how do we allow people, how do, how do we get a government that allows people to live moral lives? Yeah. What's going to help them do that? Um, I, I think you, you instantly get a clearer and better picture on what to do. Yeah. We don't need uh, corporations and special interests involved in that. It's like a, a ground-up building of, of uh, politics. And, you know, I, I think to a certain extent yeah. that's, that's kind of uh, probably what the founding fathers of the country uh, based everything. It is more of a philosophy about morals and ethics than it was yeah. um, Choosing a side. left versus right. Yep, exactly. Liberalism versus conservative. Like that, I don't think that was even really in their minds. It was... Or red Freedom. versus blue. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if I articulated that well or not, but... No, you um, did. Um, I, I'm just, like, point being, much more interested in philosophy discussions rather than political ones. Yeah. Honestly, um, I watched a video as well uh, to learn about, like, what political parties were for, and they actually don't have a lot to do with the voter. Um they have mainly to do with the politicians involved. Uh, yep, political yep. parties are formed for each other, not for us. Another reason why they they exist is because they facilitate policy making. Um, a third reason is because a politician's ambition, you know. Um, but the the what political parties do is they recruit candidates, nominate candidates, get out the vote for us. Um, they facilitate the electoral choice and influence national government. And I think that's really important to come back to as an individual, just to remember, like, or even learn, you know, because I, I didn't know that until uh, recently, that political parties are not for us as the voter. They're for the polit- politicians involved. Yes, yes, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something to stop and think about for a second. They're not for us. It's for the politician. Yeah, there's there's a little bit for us, but that's not why we have political parties. And I think that's really interesting. And um, you know, maybe we should learn a little bit more about that before we choose a side, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not not to get too far off topic here, but um, kind of going back to the philosophers mm-hmm. do you think that um maybe sometime soon we're going to be forced to turn to philosophers for uh new new government policies uh with respect to artificial intelligence on on its rise Ooh. um it, it kind of seems to me like politi- professional politicians aren't really qualified 
to make legislation about artificial intelligence. This is much more of a philosophical uh, philosophy question. Uh, hmm. What do you think about that? I think it, with the rate that we're going with all of the anger and the <clears throat> madness, um, yeah. it's going to come to a stem and we're going to have to make a choice. Um, I just don't know where, what that's, what that will look like, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess point I'm, I I'm trying to make if... is, like, I I really don't like the idea of Washington bureaucrats deciding what to do with artificial intelligence. <laughs> that seems like the, the yeah. worst kind of person to make that sort of decision. No, there needs to be more freedom from the people, more decisions from the people. Um, yeah, I, I yes, would rather... Yes, we do elect politicians, but so do the big companies, you know? If we want to, yes, like, thwart yes. the machine... We have to remember it's also the companies, the large companies that do not have us uh, in mind as individuals. They have us in mind as consumers. And we have to remember, like, if we want to take back our country, we need to stand up and vote for our country. Does that answer your question? Does that make sense at all? Like, did I did I do a good job? I've had a little bit of wine at this point. <laughs> the, the point that I, was, I think I was trying to make was, um, to me... Like, it's, we're facing a brand new um, moral issue. Okay. Um, how far are we allowed to let a whole new form of consciousness develop? Something that could, tip, you know, potentially destroy us. Mm. Do we really want politicians who, as you point out, um, are influenced by corporations? And sometimes we're not even allowed to know who... Uh, contributes to certain campaigns and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so yeah, I I don't really feel comfortable <laughs> with a decision that large being made by an institution that's that corrupt. I would like people who, for a living, think about morality, ethics, the future, um, instead of winning elections. Uh, getting better poll numbers like it, 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 it's like the wrong kind of person to ask yeah that's the problem with political parties and where they've gone though is because <clears throat> it's about winning elections and getting the vote it's not yeah. about the individuals that are a part of this nation anymore and it's not about individual thought or um even communities, like, it's literally about getting the vote, winning the argument, winning the election, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, with today's current politicians, uh, yeah, I agree. I would not want them looking out for the future of AI and consciousness in general, if you will, <laughs> um, because they don't have us, they don't have us in mind. So, right. Yeah. Right. No, I do agree with you. Also, I've been looking at my um, sound waves as well, and it seems like I'm getting quieter, even though I know I'm getting louder. So I'm a little concerned oh. with uh, you having to edit this later, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> well, just make sure that microphone's, you know, nice and close to your, your mouth. It there. is. It's I, literally I, like two inches from my face. <laughs> oh, we should be okay then, I think. All right, all right, all right, all right. So guys, Ethan always edits these podcasts, and I just want to take a moment to recognize him. Like, he's great. I really oh, only have you. to research and talk. 
like literally. Um, but, oh, I also know, post that, on Facebook and is, Instagram. <laughs> that uh, the 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 researching and the talking though is what makes the podcast. You know, like without oh, that, no. there wouldn't be any content to edit. So. Yeah. But thank every you for single time you. you could you could <laughs> honestly just have your own podcast with your own thoughts going out there and then your own editing like it would be perfect. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Uh, Where, uh, yeah, what would be fun about that? <laughs> well, there would be less sweat and less <sighs> <sighs> on my end, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> oh, stop it. Uh, but I would like to wrap it back to, um, I truly think politics are a distraction for today. It's a distraction yes. from ourselves, um, ourselves spiritually, so physically, spiritually. It distracts us from human connection. Um, we're so wrapped up and so angry and emotional, emotionally involved and driven towards politics that we forget the people around us. Um, I'm sure all of you know, you know, the conservative dad sitting around the family, you know, family table, and the daughter who, you know, <clears throat> both are allowing their politics to, um, to interrupt their personal relationship. Um, instead of loving without conditions and agreeing to disagree, because their personal relationship is more profound than their current view of red versus blue. Um, I, I, I'm, I can guarantee you every single family or every single friend group has this problem. And um, I think that's where politics and taking sides is very dangerous. I think it's important to stand up for what you believe in, but taking a side and wrapping it right back to what you said towards the beginning, you know, this is where I stand. I will not listen to you. This is where I stand and I'm not moving. I think that's dangerous. Um, yeah. Because I think it's, I honestly, I think it's truly better for us to love thy neighbor over, um, over and above making sure that my neighbor knows what I stand for. Um, <laughs> plus for creatures of habit, you know. Um, pattern, addiction, uh, when I systematically choose to see the humanity in someone who disagrees with me on who the president should or shouldn't be, I'm training myself to not allow politics to become a distraction. And I think that's really important. That's what I personally think is just constantly re reiteration that like human connection and um, seeing someone else's opinion um, as equal of an opinion to mine I think that's really important you know that empathy that respect for one another um, we've lost that in today you know um, but yeah like I, I mean but is it necessarily our fault <laughs> and I would love to pose this question towards you so we are creatures of habit we get addicted so quickly you know we we adapt and change so quickly. Um, is it necessarily our fault that people have bought into the political agenda, you know, of just everyone being angry, so angry that oh. they can't think straight? Um, I think it was, yeah, it was Aldous Huxley. Um, basically, he wrote about man's almost infinite appetite 
for distractions. And I think that's a sign mm -hmm. of the times, you know. Um, in his book, uh, Brave New World, he writes about a dystopia, not of dictatorship, but of distraction, where sex, entertainment, and busyness tear apart the fabric of reality. And I think human connection as well. Um, it's a boring book, guys, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's well worth the read. Um, and then mm -hmm. the... The thought process of how does this look uh, in today's world? You know, how does this correlate with today's world? Um, I truly think that we allow red versus blue to distract us from taking a hard look at ourselves in the mirror as well. Um, and I think at some basic level, we know this, and I definitely know that the media knows this. Um, we're fed our filtered version of reality more than several times a day. Um, and I don't think it's healthy, honestly, Ethan. Like, I just don't, I don't see it being healthy. Um, Preach. <laughs> exactly. And even if we are fed um, politics all day long, you know, agendas aside, um, we don't have the time to ponder or facilitate a clearer version of reality. Um and I think that's also important. So I don't always necessarily blame the individuals for allowing themselves to get sucked into this vortex of, you know, emotionally driven politics because we're too busy to like sometimes recognize when something is dangerous to ourselves. You know, we're addicted. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, I would also say <laughs> it's, it's not entirely individual's faults it's it's constantly thrown in our face mm -hmm. like you exactly. can't you can't go anywhere without hearing about politics so it's it's almost in a way a discussion that is kind of forced on us yes it is so not always is it the individual's um sorry i don't want to issue? cut you off but like to to like to end my point not only is it not our fault but like it requires resistance to yeah. not get sucked in. You have to resist that vortex. Mm -hmm. And you also have to be self-aware. And like taking a moment to breathe and just be yeah. self-aware, like that could help you from being sucked into that vortex, you know, of just bickering and um, maniacal thought processing, you know? It's just, yeah. it's not yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah. And the news plays a huge part of that. I mean... <laughs> politics aside they have an agenda and it is for us as consumers to pay attention and to feed them more money and for yeah. our distraction or for our attention um, if you will and uh, I think it's also it's disgusting exactly I mean uh, <clears throat> how do you pronounce his name Froud Froud F-R-E-U-D <laughs> Oh, Freud? Freud, thank you. I couldn't remember. It was like at the tip of my tongue, but I just couldn't say it. Um, Freud was one of the first people to point out that as humans, we are not as autonomous in it or as rational as we believe ourselves to be. Um, mm, I think it's mm -hmm. important to remember um, that they are concerned about writings and views. We are consumers yeah. to them. And the longer we allow ourselves to fall into their traps with getting emotionally involved, in their name-calling, finger-pointing, and hate speech will just, I don't know, it's just, it's not going to be pretty. Um, 
but also like we're all so concerned about Nazis today. Um, Hitler was great at this. Um, he took fear <laughs> and desire and used it to woo the people. And I think we really need to be careful yeah. of today's media. Are they wooing us into attention and into distraction? Like, are we as autonomous as we think we are? And as right, right. Um, Basically, weaponizing emotion. Yes, yeah. So when we're looking at politics, I think it's very important to remember to not be emotionally driven. To be, how does this fit into reality? And not my reality. How does this fit into general reality? Everyone else's, like us as a conglomerate or us united. How does this work in the real world? Not just my world. How does this work in right, the real right. world? To, to uh, I guess, kind of help illustrate the point you were just making there, um, it's actually kind of been discovered that the Russians have kind of cottoned on to just how divisive politics is in America today. And so there mm. are thousands of Russians that are employed to just set up social media accounts and so ah. and so discord amongst the American people. Just say hmm. really, really brash, egregious things about the left. And say really crazy hmm. outlandish things about the right. Just to get people riled up. Um, wow. Again, That's we crazy. weaponizing emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we aren't able to think straight as humans, we, we allow our, um, what is it called? our primal side to kick in and lash out. Yeah. We do not employ that side of the brain where rationality and um, calmness are able to take over. But that's crazy to me. Like, um, I believe it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Um, okay. What would you suggest we do to break this polarized political climate? Ooh. Uh, to me, um, I mean, I, I don't, uh, obviously, like, you can't legislate this. <laughs> so it, it seems to me, anyway, that it, it really is like a ground-up thing. It really is just going to take an awakening from individuals to just wake the fuck up mm -hmm. and go, this is out of hand. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one, I definitely think uh, we need to be more careful about the news that we watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not just mindlessly watch and get distracted and play Candy Crush along the way. I mean physically <laughs> watch the news. Like, yeah. look at what is happening. How are they harnessing their arguments? Are they using emotion? Um yeah. you know, to drive their point through. Think about it. Take a step back. Look at it. Look at your social media. Our social media is set up to an algorithm to put us into the circles and to show us the things that we want to see, essentially. I mean, our devices are constantly listening, whether we turn it off or not. It's listening. It's set up for us to get a dopamine hit yeah. and come back keep yeah. coming back you know and um the 
in social media, like they, they need viewers, they need consumers. And so if they put you in the same circles, um, the same systems. So yeah, that's, I, I don't necessarily think it's always the individuals. I do think it's the mass media that we're being fed. But yeah, that's one thing that we can control. We don't have to let them control us. Yeah. We can turn it off. We yeah. can shut it down. You know, I got off of Facebook. I had Twitter for like a year when I was like 18. Shut it down because I saw the toxicity. You know, I'm not above anyone or like, you know, I'm not saying that at all. I just, for me personally, I couldn't deal with it. So I do not have um, Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I had Pinterest for a time, but then I also saw the consumerism and the materialism with it. You know, I like it for uh, recipes, but I will not save a pin if it comes to like fashion ideas or other things maybe i'm a little crazy but i, I have never it's... liked pinterest i mean this is a whole nother topic but i am kind of of the opinion that uh pinterest kills creativity yes yeah it kills creativity and it, it kills individuality yeah. um it makes you look at the other side of the fence and say wow the grass is really greener so you become greedy and you just you need to consume oh, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can definitely, you know, um, not envy, but um, you know, dissatisfaction. In, in yeah, in yeah. You become sure. greedy. You yeah. do. You don't think you will. You'll never think you're enough. I keep Instagram, um, but I also am very careful about who I follow. I don't like following too many people where it's like. Ooh, am I getting envious of this person? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I should just unfollow for a little bit. You know, it's just like there's certain things, there's certain social medias that I've learned to tune out and certain uh, social medias I've learned to yeah. just tone down for you, a bit. Uh, you got to get, get your memes from somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually have toned down on my memes a lot lately. Um, I've been trying to get into self-reflection a lot or just like reading in general to build up my concentration because I, I know that my concentration is not good and sometimes I don't listen fully to people and I want to be so in the moment. I want to hear what someone else is saying like so badly, but my attention span is so short. Like guys, come on, help me out. Um, I was reading the other day that, uh, the general, like, I think it's American, maybe it's wrong, but general person, I'm just going to say person for the heck of it, um, the general person's like attention span is eight seconds. Do you know what a goldfish's attention span is, Ethan? A goldfish's? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. It's nine seconds. We are a second behind goldfish. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, for man. real what has happened to <laughs> we've humanity? allowed them to be i think it was like before it was at like 20 percent like i don't know in the 1800s or something like that but our attention span is eight per, like seconds long and i constantly i've been so <laughs> mindful about it i'm like how long can i think about this one quote or this one poem or this one yeah, video yeah, like yeah. how yeah. long can i do it i lose track immediately like every single time i mean yeah, the last time we alone. tried to record I know, and it's it's not necessarily our fault entirely, but we do have control. Um, guys, we can say no. We can stand up to the man, um, yeah. but we also have to be so open-minded and self-aware to the point where we can stand up to the man. It takes a long time, I think, honestly. 
um, to get to that point. Personally, I had a breaking point where there were some suicidal thoughts, like for me personally, you know, I'm going to be honest, like there have been times where I felt no self-value, no self-worth, I didn't find myself like, uh, I don't know, I couldn't adjust to my surroundings, mm. and I think it took <laughs> a little bit of time, uh, just a little bit, you know, um, to realize that, you know, okay, I need to get my priorities straight, you know, um, I cannot allow outside opinion to rule, rule my feelings and emotions and my inner self. Like, I have to take a long, hard look, you know, at myself in the mirror. And then I also have to filter out what I think is important. I'm not a part of cancel culture. I do not think that anyone should cancel them like um, other people's opinions out because that's where we start to go wrong. I mean, obviously, you can see that in today. If you don't like someone's opinion, you immediately delete, unfollow, block, those kinds of things. I mean, even your parents. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You're yeah. really well, going mean, to delete the, or the block worst, your parents? The worst part about that is it's not even necessarily their opinion. It's just something that yeah. they might have said 10 years ago and may not have exactly. even Exactly. Like, I, I am a firm believer that we are not defined by our worst moments. No, if that were yeah, the case, I, then we I would totally all be agree fucked. with you. It's just, right? Did 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 that worst moment happen to be recorded in some manner? You know, it's yeah. it's 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 the worst thing I think that's happened recently is is this new cancel culture. It's it's so yeah. bizarre. We as humans should be able to make <laughs> mistakes and then say, "Oh fuck, I messed up. I'm sorry." Yeah. And then yeah. the rest of us should come up and be like. Bro, I got you. Let's go. You know, yeah. this is how we do it better. But no, cancel culture is so, it's so dangerous. Um, when we don't agree and we shut out the person, instead of finding commonalities or forgiveness, uh, we think, you know, like, instead of saying, like, hey, our commonality is every man is equal, we miss out. Like, yeah. instead of, like, when we miss out of that opportunity, like, it's, it's hard, you know, like, this is what, I think that's why everything is so toxic right now is cancel culture. So another, another um, suggestion I would give, if you want to change today's politics, don't buy into the cancel culture. Find a way to forgive, move on doesn't mean you have to talk to certain people or be a part of situations that are unhealthy and toxic but try to work out forgiveness in your heart you know and then maybe that'll bleed through into the situation i don't know but don't hold right. resentment for right. some things because sometimes people are at their worst you know they've had a long day their wife is fucking annoying their kids like honestly they probably shouldn't have had, you know, like <laughs> some days are just really fucking hard, you know, and, and we have to understand that, you know, like, yeah. and we, we're missing out on that. We see one bad thing or something that we think is toxic and we're like, oh, cancel, delete, unsubscribe, block. That, that is not the right way to deal with situations and hard problems. If you love someone, you are going to directly talk to them and say, hey this doesn't seem right. 
you know, of course, you know, there's different situations you can go into and, um, like, you know, if they don't listen, you know, or if they continue hurting you or another person, like, obviously leave, you know, you don't need to be a part of that. But, you know, for someone who says, I stand with Trump, like, and then cancel them out immediately out of your life, like, you're missing out of opportunities to grow and learn or see humanity as it is. You can say, well, why do you stand with Trump, you know, like, instead of, missing out on those uh, important discussions or opportunities, you know, oops, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> I don't, on the line. Oh. <laughs> I don't uh, want to cut you off here, but um, kind of going back to my, uh, I, I, I really, really wish that people would focus more on philosophy and, and learning more about it. Because it, mm. it, it, it seems to me like um, it's kind of more of an Eastern philosophy that there is value in opposing opinion. Um, it's, it's such a profound idea. I, I still can't wrap my head around it, and I think about it all the time. But the, the idea that um, life in reality relies on balance you mm. can so easily go too far left, too far right. It's it's just mm -hmm. there there is a stopping point for everything. So it's not like in in the, I think it's a Western thing. I mean I I'm no expert, but it seems to me like it's it's a Western idea that there's ideas that are good and ideas that are bad, and they fight each other, and they're, they're opposing. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe we actually need left and we need right to find proper balance mm -hmm. um and it's it's such a profound idea and i think most people don't even pause to reflect about it because philosophy is not considered why, why aren't we like focusing on teaching philosophy more yeah there's there's no emphasis on on the need to be well-rounded in different philosophical ideas um and and it, it wasn't really until i discovered um, Eastern philosophy that I began to understand, oh, there's probably a very good reason why there's a left and a right. Because if there was just right, we would... I mean, I, I know a lot of people take issue with me on this, but it's generally thought that if you go too far right, you wind up with Nazism. You go too far left, you wind up with communist Russia. You've got to find a middle ground and not be ridiculous in your ideology balance um so yeah. i don't know I, I i would like urge anybody like this is something that we can do as individuals learn up on philosophy yeah. um i i think you will see the world differently but, the Tao Te Ching specifically i would highly recommend that read to anybody it's it's yeah. short but it's very difficult so take your time you with sent it. that to me correct yeah yeah um it is a book about balance mm. and and when you i don't know for me anyway when i read it it just struck me like i i was just floored at how profound that book was i started reading it and then i stopped i don't know why i stopped even. it's it's hard i'm gonna pick it I, up man though. it is a very <laughs> hard read um hmm. i once tried listening to it and it, it was just being read too fast <laughs> Like, you, you really need to just take it, read a sentence, and just think about it, 
make sure you understand it and then move on you you can't listen to it it's just hmm. it's it's too profound <laughs> that's how i felt about the free will book from um sam harris as well yes, though. yes like, yeah the, i think it was like the first three chapters that i read i was like i am honestly not getting a single thing from this and then by the end of the book <laughs> I was circling back to the French, to the beginning chapters because I had finally reached this peak of like, oh, I understand now what he's saying. Sure. Yeah. So then I would go yeah. back and I would read the first couple chapters and I was like, whoa, okay, now I understand. But the first chapter is like when I first started the book, I was like, am I dumb? Like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like, ugh. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one. Uh, a tough, especially, you know, talking about free will, it's such a abstract thing. You know, you're not mm. really dealing with anything concrete here. And so you really, really have to work hard to pay attention and and stay on track with yeah. every sentence. Otherwise, you're just, you're lost. Yeah. It's dense. And be open-minded as well. Yeah. yeah. Not just shut down the idea immediately. Open-mindedness and consciousness right now keep coming up as a, um, a general subject for discussion and yeah. research. And, like, I don't know, like gonna be a lot i know we want to discuss consciousness at some point in the future yes um, yes it's gonna take a little time to tried. prepare for that but yeah yeah, yeah we tried <laughs> but it was like oh my gosh like we don't know as much as we it's think we know <laughs> not easy to talk about not easy <laughs> yeah. at all mm. a lot of fumbling yeah. around <laughs> it's fun though i think it's fun to talk about things and i i oh, really yeah. do oh, like yeah. love that about notion club like we can, I mean, sure. Like it's just us right now talking about ideas and stuff. But like, I love that about us because yes, we're talking yes. about anything and everything under the sun that interests us currently. And we're just having a conversation, you know, like we may not know everything, but we are at least trying to understand and comprehend a little bit of what, you know, happens within this planet or this universe of yeah, ours <laughs> yeah um it's there there seems to be like this movement of trying to shut people down when they have bad ideas silence them take mm. away their platforms but it seems to me like the best way to um defeat bad speech is not by suppressing it but challenge it with better speech how's that you know there you go if you if you've got a bad idea or if somebody's got a bad idea and you're trying to disprove them wrong, just by trying to push them away is just going to make it look like they're, they've got something valuable that people don't want you to see. The better yeah. thing to do is to point out and articulate why it's a bad idea. So mm -hmm. not less speech, more speech. I think more speech is the answer to bad speech. So, all right. Can I ask you how... Yeah. In view of what you just said, how do you think an average person can battle um, speech that they don't agree with without going on the emotional defense or offense? Sure. Um, well, I think we kind of said at the beginning, a, a really good way to drill down and, and see why somebody might think the way they do is just keep asking questions. Mm. Why? Why Why do you have this position? Well, what makes you say that? Where did you get that from? Why are you arriving? 
you know, you can eventually get to real specifics. And once you know what those specifics mm -hmm. are, you can then go away, get more informed. Um, and then, yeah, calmly collect some, some thoughts and, and present facts that are better and, and point to what, what you think a, a better solution is. Yeah. Um, instead of just immediately putting up walls, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Ask questions. I don't know. That seems to yeah. me. I, it, it's so hard to do, though. It's so easy to just just jump on, on something somebody says. and th that's, that's false. That's wrong. That's immoral. It's so hard to just ask questions. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe because it because... feels like you, you might be validating what they're saying by, by acting interested. Um, when everything inside you screams, you don't agree with them. Stop asking questions. Tell them they're wrong. You know, yeah. it's, it's not easy. Maybe it's because, as well, people are afraid to get intimate with one another. Though. Yeah, yeah. Instead of asking questions, we immediately jump to the defense or offense. Yeah. Instead of being intimate and vulnerable and, like, allowing ourselves to go into um, a place of, well, why, you know? That, that shows humility, to me, anyways. It shows humility, wisdom... It shows a um, open mind. It shows a vulnerability in general. You're willing yeah. to go out on a limb and hear that person out and try to understand where they're coming from. It demonstrates and... that you, you're not afraid of being wrong. It requires work to actively explore a gray area with somebody who doesn't agree with you. On, on things but I think that it's work because it requires intellectual honesty to admit that mm. your your premise just might not be free of flaws mm. every idea is, is there's there's no perfect ideas out there I mean you can take any example um, I don't know take gun control um, you know, if, if you lean left and maybe want to make guns illegal, you have to admit that is not going to end murder. And if you're being intellectually honest about it, you, there's plenty of evidence to, to suggest that murder is still going to be committed. Um, yeah. But if you're on the right and you just say, no, all guns need to be allowed... Um, you're, you're ignoring the problem. There clearly is an issue with killing going on. And it requires a certain amount of honesty from both people to say, okay, my way isn't perfect and your way isn't perfect. How can we mediate this issue and, and come at a, a solution that's going to work? Clearly there's a problem. Mm -hmm. We need to find a way to fix it. And that takes work. And it's it's maybe just a lazy thing it's easy to just sit in your ideology and say my way is the best your way is stupid yeah anyway um it yeah. is getting late here so uh we're looking at wrapping up here pretty soon um i yeah. was just going to ask you one more question um all right do you how do i want to phrase this 
do you see anything positive in politics? Or maybe not even do you see anything positive, but is there anything at all that you might even just get enjoyment out of? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess it's interesting to see history repeat itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yes, that's, that's probably for sure. Yeah. The most I've I've gained from watching the political scene today. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's valuable for sure. What about you? Like, what what do you find valuable? I asked myself that question last night, and I could only come up with one thing, and that's um, the protest songs. <laughs> what? There, there, there have been some great pieces of music inspired out of uh, politics. Mm. Uh, very like what? Ins inspired music. Oh, Bob Dylan is the first guy that comes to mind. Um, okay. <laughs> amazing lyrics. I, I mean... I, I'm sure everybody knows, but I mean, like, Bob Dylan was just such a genius with words and had the a way with summarizing the culture um, and, you know, putting that into art. So, yeah, Bob Dylan, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd also has amazing lyrics about um, mm. political uh, discord. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> yes, my, my answer is music. Can I add one more thing? Absolutely. I just thought about this but i do think um one thing coming out of politics today is seeing how different people are from one another oh and i yeah. think that's beautiful yeah. yes i think it's yes. beautiful so yeah good thought good thought let's end there peace out bitches all right bye